Welcome to History Made Beautiful, a podcast about the beauty, diversity, faith, and community in world history. Here is your hostess, author and historian, Martini Fisher. In 534 BC, uh, a Greek performer named Thespis stepped onto the stage and became the first known man to speak words as a character in a play or a narrative. Um, Before that, ancient Greek legends were only expressed in songs and dances and third-person storytelling. But for hundreds of years after Thespis' first appearance as the first recorded actor, the words actors or thespians strictly referred to men as women's presence in the theater has remained the exception rather than the rule. Thespis, by the way, was a man. So, women appearing on stage were not deemed um, decorous, as women's perceived realm is the home. And the theater is based on religion and sacred rites, as well as perform in very public places. Which is ironic, really, given that ancient Greek theater arose from the cult of Dionysus, the god of ecstasy. And his rites were primarily performed by women singing and dancing in ecstasy in very public places. Uh, Rituals associated with his worship were the very picture of freedom and abandon, marked by dancing um, to the sound of crashing cymbals and loud music. Um, The women would whirl, scream, and incite each other to ever-increasing heights of ecstasy. The goal of this rite was to achieve such ecstasy that the celebrant soul would temporarily freed from their earthly bodies, allowing them to meet with Dionysus himself and get a taste of what they will be experiencing in eternity. But when these rites became formalized as the theater, the wild women were ejected off the stage and their roles were filled by men. The ban on women on stage, instituted by the Greeks and later reinforced by Christian concerns on female chastity, lasted until the 17th century, where female vocalists first appeared in operas. And even this new development did did not sit well with the Christian authorities. Um, A beautiful lady who sings on stage and retains her chastity is like a man who leaps into the Tiber and keeps his feet dry. Um, Pope Clement observed, uh, describing the ancient men's enduring anxiety of seeing their wives on stage or possibly in public locations. Um, Hesiod uh, work, uh, wrote in his work and days, um, marry a virgin so you may teach her good ways. 
So a woman who was not a virgin was considered wild and barbaric unless they were tied into a marriage and kept in a husband's house. Nonetheless, the ancient Greeks adored the theater, and ancient Greek actors were held in high regard. In ancient Rome, it's a different story. Uh, although they adore amusement and drama, uh, theater performers were mostly derided by upper-class society and regarded as morally impure. Uh, the Emperor Tiberius, um, who was not the very picture of a moral person himself, uh, saw it fit to advise high society and theatrical actors to avoid mingling with each other. Later, uh, Julian the Apostate, who reigned from 361 to 363 AD, uh, forbade pagan priests from attending the theater thus ensuring that the players and the theater itself were not elevated in rank as a result of their presence. The Roman Empire was in an odd position at the time, so they praised the performing arts while at the same time also seeing the theater as a symbol of society's degeneration and the people's tenacious loyalty to it as the empire's worst social plague. As one might expect, living as an actor in ancient Rome would have been very difficult. The church had made significant progress in re rehabilitating performers and integrating them into respectable society by the time of Valentinian I. Um, he reigned from 364 to 375 AD. In the event that she recovered, an actress who requested for and received the last sacrament on her deathbed had to pledge that she would never return to her so-called hateful theatrical existence. Actresses who did not declare Christianity had little possibility of being released from the theater. According to a law likely written by St. Ambrose around 380 AD. A year later, another legislation was passed stating that any actress who had previously been slaves and had gained freedom from the theater by professing Christianity but afterward relapsed would be recalled to slavery for the rest of her life. Ancient Roman actors were frequently born into the business, as it was customary in Roman society for children to take up their parents' profession. But not everyone in Rome has the potential to be an actor. Actors were obliged to have a particular physical presence and talent, uh, even in ancient times. On stage, they were required to accompany and emphasize their remarks with spectacular gestures. Their voices needed to carry for long periods of time in the open-air amphitheaters. So they needed to be physically strong with powerful vocal abilities. Um, they also had, uh, had to have a strong musical ability. 
um, because songs were frequently used in performances and also they frequently had to exchange lines in a particular rhythm because of the musical nature of their performance. Um, despite all of these considerations and demands placed on the average ancient Roman actor, uh, there were general, generally no permanent theaters in Rome where actors would perform until uh, 55 BC. Because of the widespread belief that spending too much time at the theater was detrimental to the character of the people. Now, if life was difficult for an, uh, an average male actor in ancient Rome, it was even more difficult for an average female actor. In a society where women were not given a lot of freedom to start with, being an actress would have given them even less freedom than other Roman women at the time. The philosopher Cicero said, uh, in their wisdom our forefathers believe that all women, due to their inherent weakness, should be under the control of guardians. Now this philosophy did not bode well for ancient Roman women, because then women were not permitted to perform in religious plays, and husbands would kiss their wives um, to check for any signs of intoxication, uh, which could result in divorce or death. Now, this resulted in an even worse fate for actresses, because women were not permitted to perform in religious dramas, they would have had to limit their talents to more popular types of drama. And women who appeared in these plays were frequently prostitutes, because their realism required that sex acts to be performed on stage. Um, there were even records of real execution scenes involving convicted criminals. As a result, life as a female performer would have been equally difficult and limited in comparison to their uh, male counterparts. When the church intervened, it is recognized that daughters were frequently trapped in the same path as their parents and attempted to offer a way out. Um, Claudia Acte, the uh, slave and mime actress who was also the Emperor Nero's Greek concubine, was one actress who took this route. Saint Pelagia of Antioch a wealthy mime actress who converted after overhearing a sermon gave all her earthly possessions to the church. She then vanished and reappeared years later um, when it was discovered that a male hermit living in Jerusalem was actually a woman and a former actress. A 6th century mime actress named Theodora rose to prominence for her naked mime of a mytholo uh, mythological story in which Zeus rapes Leda while disguised as a swan. So she lied on her back while attendants scattered barley on her groin for Greece to pick at. 
Um, Theodora, by the way, went on to marry Emperor Justinian and rose to become a powerful empress in the Eastern Empire. Uh, now, that's another story, because the emperor's marriage to the actress was not without complications. There was apparently a law from the reign of Emperor Constantine that prohibited senators from marrying actresses or prostitutes. Uh, this law was repealed by Justinian's predecessor Justin, which allowed Justinian to marry Theodora. And then when Justinian took the throne two years after their wedding, Theodora became his co-ruler and empress of the Eastern Roman Empire, sharing his plans and political strategies and having her own court uh, entourage and imperial seal. Like her mother, uh, Theodora worked as an actress, obviously, um, before becoming the concubine of Justinian, who later became her husband, she was said to have been the concubine of another man. Uh, historian Procopius of Caesarea uh, refers to her as Theodora from the brothel in Historia Arcana and describes her stri uh, stage antics including that thing about allowing geese to peck grain from her lower torso and dancing naked except for a small ribbon. Uh, Procopius even uh, quoted Theodora as having uh, uh, said that she regrets only having three orifices for pleasure. She sounds fun. Although Unlike the ancient Greek theater, uh, female performers were permitted in ancient Roman theater. Uh, this may not have seen much of an allowance as the majority of the actresses were rarely cast in speaking roles and instead relegated to the role of dancing girls in the background. But it does open a small path to wealth for a small number of actresses in those days. Um, because there was a small group of actresses in, in Rome who were cast in speaking roles, as well as those who achieved wealth, fame, and recognition. Um, many prestigious theaters, though, still barred women actors, and the majority of actresses performed on a small stage as mime. The term mime um, uh, encompasses singers, dancers, and actresses. Um, and it was not regarded as a respectable profession, uh, of course, and frequently performed by slaves or freed women. Some of these actresses also performed their own um, acting guild called the Socie Mime. For in the first century BC, uh, actress Licinia Eucharist belonged to the handful of actresses known from the Roman uh, Republic. She was one of the few known ancient actresses who rose to fame and respect in her field during the Roman Republic. A Greek-born Roman slave, her talent on stage eventually led to her release and she went on to become one of the few ancient Roman actresses permitted to perform in prestigious theaters and earn her living solely from acting. 
she apparently reached a high enough level of fame and respect to be given speaking parts and played roles in classic Greek plays in front of noble audiences. The first century BC also saw the talent of Dionysia, an ancient Roman dancer-actress. She is one of the few female stage actresses from antiquity with notably high income. She was then another rare example of elite actresses in ancient Rome who could earn large sums on their careers. Um, Dionysia was well known enough that her name and her earnings were rather freely used in public debate in his 66 BC speech in support of actor uh, Quintus Rusius, Cicero mentioned that the famous dancer Dionysia earned 200,000 um, sestertius, which he appears to assume is a well-known fact. He said, um, for he certainly both could and would have earned 300,000 sestertius if Dionysia can earn 200,000. That's what he said. In 62 BC, a critic of the orator Hortensius mockingly compared his gestures to those of Dionysia, in which Hortensius replied, Oh, Dionysia? For my part, I had rather be Dionysia than what you are. In his Natural History, Pliny mentions the actress and dancer Galleria Copiola as one of the notable female uh, nanogenarians and centenarians. Galleria is one of the few classical antiquity performers whose career milestones can be precisely dated thanks to Pliny's observation. So a Roman girl reached puberty between uh, the ages of 12 and 14 and entertainers appear to have begun their careers around this time. Galleria herself made her stage debut at the age of 13 or 14 during Sulla's di dictatorship in 82 BC in a theatrical event produced by the uh, plebeian idile uh, Marcus Pomponius. Galleria uh, specialized in the embolimon. Um, which means insert. It is a musical number that was performed between the acts of a play. The embolium in which Galleria um, specialized was a solo interlude performed by a dancing girl in Roman theater as a part of the Mimus um, musical comedy genre. In contrast to almost every other form of ancient theater in which female roles were played by men, um, Roman mimas was regularly performed without masks. Therefore, they provided opportunities for women to gain recognition and made a, uh, make a living as a professional entertainer. Galleria Copiola is one of only four embolia performers whose name have survived. Uh, the others being Sophie Theorobalintliana, who was name is a, um, in an inscription on a bone tablet um, found in Rome as Arbitrix 
embolarium or basically uh, ch chief embolaria um, the other women were uh, Phoebe Focontia and Opius the only male embolarius recorded Galeria's fame was um, such that when the monumental theater of Pompeii was dedicated in 55 BC, she was actually called out of retirement as living legend. Several former stage luminaries appeared, including the aging actor Aesopus, uh, whose performance fell short of the reputation he had earned in his prime. Cicero, who was, pre uh, who was present, remarked without naming Galleria specifically that the older entertainers should have rested on their laurels. Galleria was about 40 years old at the time. Um, because she was still physically capable of performing and in good enough health to live to old age, her retirement may have been voluntary, made possible by substantial earnings. Uh, Pliny tells us that her last public appearance was in 9 AD as a 104-year-old woman at the votive games honoring the Emperor Augustus. As was common for a female stage performers in ancient Rome, uh, Fabia Arete was a freed woman. She became a dancer, actress, and singer and eventually referred to as Archimima, which was the title given to the leading lady of a Roman theater, and as a diurna, which means she toured as a guest actress in various theaters and theater companies. Both demonstrated her fame and popularity due to her stage work. Um, Fabia uh, likely belonged to an elite minority of Roman actresses hired to perform speaking roles at a time where female stage artists were usually hired only to dance or sing in the choir, and she gained enough wealth to afford a grand funeral monument for herself and her husband. Another Archimema was Basila who died around 220 AD. She was a stage performer who had appeared in both speaking roles in theater plays and pantomimes, as well as a dancer and choir singer. She was praised as the 10th muse. Her colleague, the actor-dancer Heraclitus, um, dedicated a memorial to her memory at the Roman theater of Aquileia. Dancer and actress Volumnia Chiteris, who flourished around the first century BC, um, was a slave who was later set free, and she was perhaps better known for being the mistress of several famous Romans. She had affairs with Brutus and Mark Antony, uh, which at the time drew a lot of attention, and she often acted at, as the companion of her aristocratic lovers at social gatherings, where the presence of a courtesan was unusual and considered shocking. 
her relationship with Cornelius Gallus, one of the foremost men of intellect in his day, um, resulted in her being immortalized in Gallus's four books of elegies as the character named Licorice. Uh, Citeris is also one of the only few, um, one of only a few free and powerful Roman courtesans mentioned by her contemporaries, along with Praesia, a Roman professional courtesan famed for her wide, um, wide network of high-profile clients among the political elite, and Caledon, who was famed for her political influence during the praetorship of Gaius Verus, a Roman magistrate notorious for his misgovernment of Sicily. I realize I've given you a rather rosy picture of the life of an ancient Roman actress, but there is another side of the fame and glory of a re ancient Roman actress. Um, and it was the more common situation in which most actresses would find themselves. Um, the poet Horace wrote, but you have with actresses, you have with common strumpets. And later, Plutarch in Sulla would add that consorting, quote, with actresses, harpists, and theater uh, people was a way of life that would leave men riddled with diseases. After watching a troupe of actresses dance on stage, the poet Marshall ran home to write a review which said, quote, they, meaning the actresses, would have caused Hippolytus himself to masturbate. In 54 BC, Gnaeus Plancius was one of the most powerful men in Rome, but he was on trial for corruption and bribery, charges bolstered by dirt his enemies had dug up from his past, which was of him committing a violent sexual assault of a young actress. The corruption and bribery charges were serious enough, but for the men in the court, as women were not allowed in the courtroom, the rape charge was nothing more than a harmless common misbehavior. In fact, it was something perhaps half of the men in the room were guilty of themselves. To illustrate this, Plancius's lawyer, Cicero, did not seem to bother denying this charge at all. Uh, instead, he threw his hand um, his hands up in mock flourish, and declared, quote, "Oh, how elegantly must his youth have been passed! The only thing which is imputed to him is one that there was not much harm in." In this way, he was assuring his audience that raping an actress was nothing more than following a well-established tradition at stage event and was hardly a crime. This case quickly moved along and the actress was never mentioned again with only Cicero's speech giving us the only hint of her existence. 